All right, we're going to be in 1 Peter today. So if you have your Bibles, pull out 1 Peter. If you don't, that is okay. Uh, 1 Peter is a letter written by one of the people, the three closest people to Jesus, one of Jesus' closest friends while he was on this earth. And he writes this letter to Christians who are all spread out, who are facing a world that is opposed to so much of what they stand for. And he writes them this letter, and he gives them wisdom. And this is not just wisdom from himself. It's actually wisdom from God to Christians, to us. So we're going to be in 1 Peter, and I'm just going to read the passage. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to read 3 through 9. Here's what I love. What I'm about to read is long. It's complicated. But the crazy thing is, when Peter was writing, this is one sentence in the Greek that he wrote it in. Now, they break it up in your English Bible because having one sentence is confusing when it's this long. But, but Peter gets going on this. He starts writing, and he just writes and writes and writes. He writes that run-on sentence, you know, when you're in, like, second grade and you just write your first, like, report ever. You write your first little piece, and it's a terrible run-on sentence, and you don't use proper grammar. That's essentially what this is, because Peter is so excited about what he's telling us. So here we go. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is what God has to say to us today. Praise be to God. To the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now in this you greatly rejoice. Although now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by by the fire, your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible And a glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Father, we invite you into this place through your spirit. And we ask that you would take this passage that you wrote through Peter thousands of years ago, and that you would apply it to our lives this day in 2018. We welcome you. We open up our lives to you. We ask that you would come. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Who's ready to hear from God's word today? Come on, somebody. Oh, my goodness. Who's ready to hear from God's word today? That's better. I was afraid the lightning would come down when only two of us wanted to learn from God today. Hey, I'm looking for a house right now. Now, sometimes I talk about my life, and I feel like sometimes I talk about my life too much. But I figure, I've got your captive audience. You know, I don't want to pay for counseling, and so here we go. You guys are here right now, and you get to hear it all. Okay, I'm just going to walk you through my life just as it happens, and you're going to get to experience the ups and the downs with me. This is like vlogging, just, but you're captive here. This is great. Okay, so I'm looking for a house right now. And, and, and I've looked at nine houses so far. And, uh, you know, like, what do you do? This is, this is more commitment than I'm ready for in life. A house? It's a lot of money. And so I, I was looking at this house the other day uh, in a great neighborhood. It actually has sidewalks. And I was looking, this is a house in Jackson. In Jackson, they don't have sidewalks. So this is kind of special, kind of like it's old, you know, feel, and it's cool. But nice houses. And nice neighbors, like you drive in, like the, you know, the, the postal service workers like waving at you and like the paper guy, you know, all the kids are running around and it's just really nice. And so I'm looking at this house and it's exactly what I need. It's in my price range. It's four bedrooms. I'm like, that's a lot of roommates. I could pack in there and they could pay me rent. You know, that's, that's a good thing. And I'm looking around and it's, it's all really nice. The only drawback is that is the master bedroom is painted hot pink. 
I mean, that saves me on having to paint it hot pink, right? So that's actually not even a problem. Okay, so, so this is just, it's all perfect. It's all good. But you're like, something's got to go wrong, right? Maybe the backyard, there's something crazy. Go back in the backyard. It's like an acre backyard. It's just huge. And so I'm, I'm out there looking around, and I'm just starting to have a vision. You know, life starts to slow down a little bit, and it's like this, this melodramatic music starts in the background. And I start to see, like, my friends hanging out having a barbecue, and, like, me throwing a touchdown pass to my son. You know, all this, all this stuff happening. And then, then I start to feel, again, I've seen Up, you know, the intro to Up, that kind of the whole, like, walks through his life. And so I'm just, like, seeing my whole life come pass before my eyes, and it's beautiful. I'm like, this is the house. This is it. This is my future. This is great. And I'm just like, this is, this is it. And looking around, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then I get jolted out because my realtor says, yeah, so there's one problem. Uh, this, this place flooded, and it flooded up to the roof last time it flooded. Yeah, okay. And so suddenly, like, my vision was me paddling around in a canoe as an old man. Like, yeah, looking for any of my stuff. Looking for my hot pink master bedroom, you know, just trying to find anything left. I mean, just like that. But my vision of the future, which was so beautiful and so good, changed to where I was like, nah, let's go somewhere else. Let's get out of here before it floods. I am not Noah. All right, I'm not going to go through this. We're not going to do this. And just like that, my vision of the future changed. Here's what you've got to realize. Your view of the future, what you think your future's like right now, guides your decisions in the present. Now, now I, I had decided to buy that house up until the point I knew it flooded to the roof. And then I decided not to because my view of what the future held for me drove my life in the present. And this is, this is true for all of us. Even how we feel about something is shaped by our view of the future. Come on, we just had this big lottery, right? $1.5 billion as a lot of money. Okay, so a lot of people, if, if you're one of these people who's like, $1.5 billion dollars, I only have a 1 in 320 million chance. You're like the guy from Dumb and Dumber, and you're like, so, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> All right, 1 in 320 million. I know it's statistically more likely that I become president, have identical quadruplets, get struck by lightning, and win an Olympic gold all in the same year. That's statistically more likely to happen to you than winning all this. But you're like, you're saying there's a chance. And so if your view of the future is $1.5 billion, and so you go out and you waste your money on something you'll never win. All right, but, but, if you're, but if you're like a logical, sane person, and I know we got people here who bought a lottery ticket, so I'm calling you out right now. If you're a logical, sane person, you're like, there's no chance I'm going to win this unless I buy, I, I statistically have a, ch- a better chance at winning if I buy 160 million tickets, all right? Or 160, no, that's more than that. What a quick math here. 750 million tickets, right? So there's just no chance of you winning. And so my view of the future is I'm never going to win, so I'm not going to buy a lottery ticket. Come on. Okay, so this, this is where I'm going with all this. What you think about the future, what, you, what your vision of the future is, shapes your present. It shapes where you are right now. And this is so key because what Peter is teaching us here is that we got to have the right view of the future. We've got to have the right view of God's future so we can live like he wants us to in the present. And this is what he says, verse 3. He says, praise be to God, because in his great mercy he has given us new birth. And this is such a a key thought. And throughout the New Testament, there's this metaphor for following God and becoming his child. It's the new birth. Jesus said in John 3, you got to be born again. We've kind of just forgotten what that means, but this is what it means. It's really big. It means that when you start following Jesus, when you are a Christian, you actually get a new father a heavenly father. You get a new family. You actually are introduced into a new world where Jesus is king. 
And you were introduced now to new responsibilities. So the new birth is such a big, big deal. And so Peter says, you've been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, before Jesus rose from the dead, you and I had no hope that we would rise from the dead either. We had no hope. But now that Jesus has paved the way, we have a hope. We have a hope. And get this. This is so big. Verse 4. We have a hope in an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil, that can never fade, which is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is what I love. We cannot comprehend what it looks like for something that never perishes, never spoils, never fades. I mean, come on, if, if, you, if you're into fashion, your fashion lasts about six months. Now, sometimes people make bad decisions, and we've done this right now. Somebody decided that bell-bottoms need to start making a comeback. Now, I'm not trying to insult you if you wear bell-bottoms, but come on. That wasn't a good idea in 1960. It's definitely not a good idea in 2018, but they're going to come back into style. They're going to go away because everything in this life is perishable. You ever tried to get avocados? Let's talk about real heartbreak in life. You buy avocados because you want to make some guacamole, but they're not ripe yet. You know what's happening because you've lived this life. So you put them on your calendar and you're like, I'm going to wait until they're ripe. And you check them the next day. They're not ripe. They're still hard. Next day, still hard. Next day, and they're brown. And you can't make your guacamole. You've been there because just like that. Just like that, it changes from, oh, it's not ready yet to it's too far because this world is perishable. And come on, if you're over 40 right now, you know what I'm talking about. Your body is perishable, right? You don't even have to be quite that old. I'm, I'm still fairly young, but I already got these little, these little smile marks happening, these little crinkles here, you know? I just think it's because I'm such a happy person. I smile all the time. But already, I've got these wrinkles forming. And I'm like, dude, 20 years from now, that's going to be crazy. I'm going to have, like, the, the greatest wrinkles of all time because our bodies are perishable. We live in this perishable world, and this is what God says. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a son or a daughter of God, you have a future that will not perish. It will not fade. It will not spoil. That is your vision of the future, and it's a good one because you're looking ahead to what God has, and God has promised, and he said, it's already ready for you. I'm just waiting for the right time to give it. And so verse six, this is where it gets really key for our lives right now. Because of this future, because of what's in front of us, because of what we can expect, he says, in this, you greatly rejoice. Now, rejoice is such a Bible word. I mean, maybe you go around and say, oh, I'm rejoicing that Mississippi State won yesterday. Who says that? What you you say is, I'm going to throw a party because Mississippi State won. I'm going to throw a party. So think about instead of rejoice, I'm going to throw a party. Right here. So in this, because of this future God has for us, we're going to throw a party. And we're going to celebrate because God has such a good future for us. But but then Peter goes on and says this. In this you rejoice greatly, but now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And he goes on to say, These come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which is still going to perish... But your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is what you got to understand. Trials are going to come. And you know this because you just lived your last week and trials came. And you went through challenges and you went through grief. And what Peter says is there's going to be challenges of many kinds. You're going to face a lot of different kinds of challenges in life. It's financial this week. It's relational next week. 
It's spiritual next year. You're going to face challenges, but that's part of life. And this is what Peter says. It's an opportunity to show genuine faith. But he says something else, and don't miss this. Somebody needs to hear this right now. He says these these griefs are just going to last for a little while. You see, every part of this world is perishable, including your suffering. Whatever you're going through right now will pass away. Whatever you're facing right now is going to come to an end because God is there for you and he's going to carry you through it. So whatever you're facing, relationally, spiritually, financially, whatever it is in life, it's just going to last for a little while. God's pulling you through. God's bringing you through to something better. And there's a purpose to this. There's a purpose to what we're going through is because God wants to show us and show other people how genuine our faith is. I, on Mondays, I work out. I, I do, do squats with some friends. I was, I was describing this to a friend this week, and she said, oh, you do squats like body weight, just kind of one of these things, you know? I was like, no, we don't do that. We put weight on our backs, like a lot of weight, and we slap each other, and we yell at each other, and like, come on, get up, let's do it. And I'm sure the neighbors think someone's getting murdered every single Monday afternoon when we do this. But we yell at each other, and we bang weights around, and we get loud, and we do all this, and then when we get done, we go sit on the front porch like a couple old men, and rock back and forth and talk about politics and money and life and family and, and all that boring stuff, right? So every time when we go sit out here, for the last, I think, three weeks, we'll be sitting there, and this guy comes walking down the street. And it is weird, y'all. He's carrying a sledgehammer. Now, what do you do with that? You know, like, and he's got this big backpack on full of stuff. Like, you got two options. One is to, to be normal and to wave and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you having a good day? The other is to try not to move so he doesn't see you and reach for your shotgun, all right? So normally we take option B. We reach for our shotguns because we're a couple old men on the front porch, and we keep talking really quietly and try not to move. And he hasn't noticed this yet, so we're going to keep doing this if he comes by tomorrow. Uh, but he's carrying this, this big old sledgehammer, which is kind of scary, in Jackson, Mississippi, okay? So you, you kind of watch your back. But I think what he's doing, I haven't asked him because I haven't talked to him yet, but I think what he's doing is I think he's training for the military, because he's got those boots on, and either he's training for the military or he's training to be a serial killer. One or the other. But I think it's the military, and he's walking around, and so he's going through the embarrassment of walking around a neighborhood. He's going through the, the, the heat and sometimes the discomfort of hiking with a heavy backpack on and carrying around a sledgehammer, which I think is supposed to be the rifle. I think. If not, that's really bad. I need to ask him next time with a shotgun. I need to ask him. But that's supposed to be the rifle he's carrying around. And he's doing all this, and he's enduring this trial, you could say, or this, this challenge, or maybe even this discomfort, because he's preparing for something. Now think about your life like this. What you are enduring this week, what's coming up in front of you, what you've been going through for the last six months or the last year, is actually God allowing something, usually not causing it, but God allowing something to happen in your life so that you can realize how genuine your faith in him is. So you can realize how good of a God he is. You may not feel it, but you'll come to realize it as your faith stays strong. When you have a faith that allows you, allows you to endure, here's, here's the good thing. Your joy is connected to your vision of the future. So follow me on this. If you have a vision of the future that's good, even if your present is bad, you can have joy. You can throw a party. But, but if you're living in the, in the present and you don't have a vision of a future that's good, you don't have a vision of a future that God has prepared for you, it's going to be really hard to make it through. So, so this is what Peter says. Throw a party. 
rejoice. Now, why would he say that? In the middle of your trials, rejoice. Here's why. Because your present circumstances do not dictate God's future for you. What you're going through right now does not determine what God has in store. It's the other way around. What God has in store for you determines how you live right now. Your faith in God's future will unleash joy in your present. Now, somebody needs to hear that today. Your faith in God's future, your expectation and confidence in what he's bringing is going to unleash joy in your present. So if you are facing life right now and you're not experiencing joy and you're not feeling joy, and look, I've been there. I've been there a lot. If you're not experiencing joy, it's because you need to turn back to what God has in store, what God has promised. And what has he promised? He has promised an inheritance a future that will not pass away, that will not fade, that will not spoil. And it's a future that he's, he's, he's already prepared for you, and he's guarding you for that future. So no matter what you face, no matter what your trial is this week, God's got you. And he's already, he's already at work to help you and to prepare you for that future. And here's part of our challenge. There are actually three types of salvation in the New Testament. Now, now follow me on this for a second. We're going to get into some theology for just a second. Three types of salvations in the New Testament. How we often talk about it is like, hey, I was saved when I was 50 or when I was 15 or when I was five, and that's the salvation that happened. God saved me when I was younger, and it's over, and it's good, and that's great. But there's three kinds of ways salvation is talked about in the New Testament. The first is that one. Jesus saves you from your sins, and when you believe on him, your guilt is forgiven, you're saved from your sins. Come on, that's good news right there. The problem is, we, we end salvation there. But here's the other thing, the other way salvation is talked about. Salvation is also about your present. We are being saved. We're being saved from the challenges we face. We're being saved by God from the sin we face in our lives. We're being saved right now. But, but here's what we never talk about. And this is what Peter's writing about. There is a salvation that will happen later in our futures. When we, all of us, and this is a weird belief, and so if you're here and, and you're not sure if you're a Jesus follower, I'm going to just tell you, this is kind of weird. We believe everybody's going to rise from the dead. I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's got to be freaky deaky when it happens. Everyone's going to rise from the dead and have new bodies, and then we will be judged by God. And this is the third. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is the third salvation because we will be saved then. Here's the problem with our lives. I think a lot of us spiritually really struggle because we know Jesus did something in our lives in the past, but his salvation remains part of our past. It just happened back there. It's part of the history. They'll write about you someday. Oh, it happened back there. But God's salvation has to be part of your present. God's got to be actively at work in your life, and you've got to be trusting him for the challenges you face and the struggles you face. But get this. This is so important because so many of us don't do this. You've got to have faith for the future salvation God's got an inheritance for you. He's got something good for you that's coming, that's ready, that's in your future. And you've got to trust him for that. And I think out of all three of these, the reason we don't focus on the future salvation is because it's hard to trust in something that you don't see yet. Oh, my goodness. We focus on what we can see. I do this all the time. If I can see it, it's there. If I can't, it's not there. I'm like a little, one of those little kids sometimes. You know, you're playing hide-and-go-seek or not, play, you're doing peekaboo, and they put their hands over their eyes, and they're like, you can't see me, all right? And, but they're still there. And I feel like well, that's how we work with God is God's here, and he's at work in our lives, and he's preparing something good. But just because we can't lay eyes on him, we're like, oh, God must not be there. God must not be there. 
But the truth is, God has already accomplished this in your life. God's already at work in your life. He's already prepared everything, and he just needs you to trust him. So what does genuine faith look like? Here we go. We're going to wrap up with this. What does genuine faith look like? If we go here in 1 Peter to the last two verses, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, though you haven't seen him yet, you love him. Now, this is funny because Peter's writing this, and Peter had seen Jesus. He's like, oh, you haven't seen him, suckers. All right, I've seen him. I've hung out with him. I smelled his bad breath that one morning when he was eating fish by the sea. I've been around Jesus. You haven't. So you've got to love him, though. You haven't seen him, but you've but you got to love him. And then he goes to the next one. And though you don't see him now, and this is what's crazy to me, Peter had, had seen Jesus, but he didn't see Jesus now. But even though you don't see him now, you believe in him, and you're filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. Because you're going to receive the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Now follow me on this. He talks about joy twice in this. Why does he talk about joy? Because your joy is connected to your vision of the future. And your faith in God is loving him even though you don't see him. It's believing he's at work and believing he's got a future for you even when you don't see how that's going to happen. And then it's rejoicing in him. It's rejoicing in all that God is going to do. Your faith in God's future will unleash joy in your present. Let's talk about some of the trials you might face. And, and there's, there's one big one, and this is tongue-in-cheek, so get ready to laugh. This is not serious. One of the big challenges you can face in the fall is corn mazes. You know what I'm talking about? You've been, they have those in Mississippi? I've been to them in other states, never been one here. Oh, don't take me to one. There's like two types of personalities. There's the personality that can do a corn maze and be okay with it. And then there's the other kind, which just starts like taking a machete and hacking a path through. <laughs> like about the same time, I've seen the same dead end three or four times. And I know there's some little kids who found their way out because they like run through and don't come back. And I'm, I'm in the same dead end over and over again. About the time, I'm giving up on it. I'm just walking. I'm just walking till I'm out. At some point, the cornfield ends. I'm going to walk till I'm out. Okay, when you're in the middle of a maze... Uh, life, and this life is like a maze sometimes. From the middle of a maze and you keep coming around to the same place, the same dead end. Or you just get, get, get caught in a loop and you can't find your way out. Sometimes life feels like that. When you do that, your present is not the key. Like where you are right now is not the key to getting out. It, it's where you've got to end up, right? If you're in a maze, you want to end up at the end of it or at the beginning. Or you just want to get out sometimes. Just get out however you can. So, so you've got to find the way. You've got to have a vision of where you're going when you're in the middle of a maze. Now life is like this. You see, your present, if your present is a dead end, your present is not the solution for getting out, for salvation, for finding where you need to go. But get this, your past is not either most of the time. You can look back to what God has done in your life in the past, but what will often happen is, is if you're in a tough spot in the present, you're going to look back to the past and see the good stuff, and that's going to bring you right back to the present because you're going to think, well, I, why don't I have that now? Why am I struggling now? Why am I going through this right now? It was so good back then. Why don't I have that now? So you're going to end up in the present again. The key in life to living beyond your situation and your trials, to getting to the point where you can have joy and rejoice, the key to all this is a vision of the future. And it's faith in God's future that unleashes joy in your present. So I want, I want to make, boil this down really simple right now. If you are in the middle of something and you're facing something, here's the good news that God speaks to us from his word. He has better prepared and is already ready 
and it's there. And he's just waiting for the right time to unleash it for all of us. That's the good news, number one. Here's the other good news. Right now, no matter what you're facing, you can rejoice in that. You get this because your joy isn't dependent on your circumstances. It's dependent on the future you already know is there. So you can start rejoicing. And the only thing it takes, here's the link between God's future and us experiencing joy. Here's the link. Your trust that Jesus is going to do it. Your confidence. And what Peter says here is loving Jesus and believing that he's going to bring it. You get joy. So, so what's the link here? You have a future and you have joy. And the link is just loving God and trusting him. And that's what it boils down to. This is what the, life, the Christian life boils down to, is trust in God and who he is, that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to bring it. So if you're stuck in a maze right now, if, if you're in this, in this dead end of life and it just keeps happening over and over again, you've got to trust God's future and you better start throwing a party. And when you throw a party, invite me to it, okay? But don't invite me to it if it's at a house that's going to flood because we're not going to do that. But invite me to that party because your life should be filled with joy. God wants your life to be filled with joy, so seek that. Seek that joy, but the only way to seek that joy is by faith and confidence in who he is. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your life that you've given us. Thank you for the, the, the life of God that we get to experience just because you love us, that you've given to us. And Father, I know so many of us are struggling right now. We're facing relationship challenges, financial challenges, problems at work, problems in our families. Father, we're just facing so much. And we need your joy. We need a vision of the future that, you had, that you've given us. We need to grab hold of that. So, Father, help us. And I want to throw it out to us right now. If, if you're here as we remain in prayer, and you just say, I, I need God's joy. I'm not experiencing God's joy. Can you just throw up a hand right now? Just as a sign of, I, I want God's joy. I need God's joy. Thank you for those hands. Let me pray particularly for you. Father, help those who have raised their hands to experience joy. That can only come from you. Joy in the future that you have for us. Joy in the future you have for them. Father, show them this week what it looks like to trust you. What it looks like to have faith in you. What it looks like to depend on you this week so they can experience that joy. So they can throw a party and let the world join in with them. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. We want to experience some joy right now by singing to God. So let's sing to God about how great he is right now.